Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 46, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. With a lot of discussion around ammonia emissions lately, the use of slurry additives often comes up in conversation, but are they ticking all the boxes? Dr. Dominika Kral, Chagas Research Officer in the area of agricultural gaseous emissions, joins us to discuss. Dominika, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Cahill. I suppose, Dominika, the first thing, there's lots of slurry in the tanks there at the moment. Uh, we're in January. A lot of farmers wondering about uh, slurry additives at the moment and what they can do first in the tank. But first things first, I suppose, you, you'll focus a lot on ammonia um, and emissions from slurry tanks. Can you tell me a little bit what, what is ammonia first and why should we be concerned about it? Ammonia is a gaseous form of nitrogen. Okay, and as such, is um, um, it, it is a loss of nitrogen from the farm. Um, so what it means is, whenever there is slurry spread or synthetic fertilizer applied to the soil, um, there is ammonia emission associated with it. So that's you know that's that's basically nitrogen being uh, being volatilized into the air. Um, what so on one hand it's a it, it's a financial loss to a farmer it's also a loss of nutrient um you know that could be utilized uh, on the farm but at the same time ammonia is also an air pollutant and it causes a, a host of of different uh, problems so um as an air pollutant it has environmental and health implications uh, so on the environmental side um it you know it redeposits and causes eutrophication, um, so that kind of that affects ecosystems and biodiversity loss. Um, it, it can also um, have very negative impact on peatlands that are storing carbon. So it might um, it, it might actually hamper that that carbon sequestration uh, in peat soils. Um, then it can cause water quality issues down the line. Um, it can also lead to uh, an in, indirect, indirectly to emissions of greenhouse gas, nitrous oxide, and that's a potent greenhouse gas. So unfortunately, you know, ammonia in itself is not benign and there is a whole host of different um, kind of negative implications associated with it. So as I suppose that's the that's first and foremost why we're interested in it and and why we want to reduce ammonia emissions, and because of those negative impacts on environment and on on health, um, there's legislation uh, to reduce ammonia emissions, and Ireland is uh, bound to reduce emissions by one percent. Um, in comparison to a reference year of 2005, and that's to that's to reduce emissions by 2030. Okay, and from 2030 onwards, we've a target of a five percent reduction when in when compared to 2005. So you would maybe think that one percent or five percent it doesn't sound um like a lot, but it's actually very challenging, um target to achieve for for agriculture because ammonia is an agricultural issue so virtually all ammonia in ireland is produced from agricultural sources um so really that's you know that that's where we need to take a lead on uh, reducing emissions here 
Just on the ammonia side of the house, um, obviously it's a bit of a problem because we're starting to talk about it a lot, but is we've mentioned you've mentioned environmental impact and sometimes i'd say to farmers you can see isn't like a slime sometimes on trees that looks like um when ammonia hits the trees and it can attach to it but i've heard a doctor on the radio there last year talking about the health implications when ammonia uh, mixes with other gases over cities is that correct yes absolutely so um ammonia can bind um in the air um with particulate matter so especially in cities, um, you know, if there is um, if there are exhaust gases and particles from from traffic from other sources um, that, you know, that that can um, cause really um, severe issues in terms of respiratory problems for people. So ammonia binds with those particles and um you know, and, and those those then compound particles entering um lungs, they can um they can cause respiratory uh problems um to the point where you know there's there there can be serious uh, health conditions and either um and even deaths associated with you know with air pollution and ammonia contributes to that. And uh, you mentioned that, I suppose, in Ireland, ag- unfortunately, agriculture is responsible for the bulk of the ammonia emissions. What, what, uh, what, act- what are the main activities on the farm that are responsible? So ammonia is predominantly associated with livestock agriculture. So unfortunately, you know, we're kind of at the forefront here because of, of our agricultural systems are, are, are primarily livestock based. Um, so we're talking about um, sources such as animal housing, then um, so and consequently animal excreta um, deposited uh, during housing. Then that excreta is then moved into manure storage, be it um, either as slurry or as solid manure. So manure storage is another source, and then manure spreading is a further source. Um, Meaning that you know what we we call this a manure management cascade from from housing through storage to land spreading, and at each step of that manure management chain, there can be ammonia emissions from from those different sources. So unfortunately, it's not that we lose ammonia in in one part of that chain and that's it it you know it's a problem that kind of that keeps on repeating um and at the same time losing farmer more and more nitrogen from the system um the so the other sources then are animal grazing so um the excreta deposited at pasture and finally synthetic fertilizers applied to soils um and just to give you a context of how important those livestock related sources are approximately 90% of all ammonia comes from that manure management um you know coming from housing storage and land spreading and also grazing animals it's it's only really 10% that is associated with synthetic fertilizer um and on that um uh, on that side of house, um, it really depends on the type of fertilizer we're we're looking at. So you know they're not all equal. So there is a difference between can, straight urea, and protected urea, and that's that that's really why protected urea comes in on stream in the last few years, and you know and and we consider it a really potent uh, mitigation measure. Um, 
but that's kind of that that's where the ammonia comes from in terms of in terms of sources on the on the farm. Yeah, thankfully, lots of farmers are putting their shoulders to the wheel in regards to protected urea. I've really seen a note. It's noticeable how many more people are using it in the last couple of years and slow mission spreading as well, which is very good with the trail and shoe. Um, I suppose the one thing that's standing out now is we have it in the tanks. Uh, how how do we stop it coming out of the tank? And a question I would have for you, I suppose, is what is the process in the tank? What What's happening that, that ammonia gets lost? Or you, sometimes you would think if the nitrogen is in the tank, it'll stay there. But there must be something going on in the tank to release that ammonia. Or ammonia. Yes. Yeah, so, um, look, there are different forms of nitrogen in the slurry. Um, so nitrogen is one of the most versatile chemical um, kind of chemicals in the world in terms of a variety of different compounds and um, phases that um, that it can be uh, encountered in the environment. So it it is really fascinating. Um, but there's only certain, um, forms that, that that we typically work with. So in slurry, for example, there is a mixture of organic nitrogen and inorganic or what we also call mineral nitrogen. Um, and the organic form um, came mostly from uh, the dung side of, of ex- animal excreta. Um, and that's a much more stable nitrogen. That's you know that's that's nitrogen that um, when applied to soil, um, kind of gets converted to mineral nitrogen over longer periods of time and becomes available for plant growth. However, that part that's already um, that's already in the mineral form, that comes primarily from um, animal urine, and there is a very quick conversion of any organic um, part of nitrogen from urine into in, into mineral. And that mineral um, nitrogen is literally one step away from ammonia. So it's called ammonium. And um, ammonium, depending on pH of the slurry, can very easily convert into ammonia. So the higher the slurry pH, the more of um, ammonium that can convert it into ammonia. And then ammonia can very, very easily um, be lost from the from slurry uh, in storage. So what happens is it's it's a very physical process. So it's like evaporation. Um, and ammonia um, you know gets to the surface. And then any wind, um, you know, the more wind there is over slurry, the more air movement, that ammonia that gets um, kind of moved away, pushed out, and then more ammonia can come out again. So, for example, when we talk about um, one of the mitigation options being to cover slurry store, it's literally to hamper that gas exchange so that that ammonia stays within the slurry or just above the slurry, but there is no emission and removing of the ammonia from above the slurry surface that would, um, you know, that would um, cause more and more emissions coming off the slurry. Also, oh, that the, the actual ammonia on the top almost acts like a trap for future ammonia to be produced. Then, I presume that's. Yeah, so it's like a chemical balance, yeah. you know, in, in terms of if, if there already is a lot of ammonia in the air just above the slurry versus what's in the slurry, it kind of, um, it equilibrates. But if you remove that ammonia uh, layer from above the slurry with wind, 
then there will be more ammonia from the slurry moving into that uh, into that layer above the slurry, basically trying to equilibrate again. Yeah. And you mentioned covers and that that's a physical one that we can do. I suppose if we want to get to the root cause of the problem and maybe to be able to treat the slurry in some way, there's a lot of talk about slurry amendments. And I know there's a number of different type amendments. I mean, I think you mentioned there a second ago about uh, the pH. So chemical is one. Can you talk us through the different types of amendments that are, are being looked at or maybe they're on the market at the moment? There's a, there's a few different types, Cahill, and I suppose there's, they're at a different level of how advanced the research is and you know whether they're already commercially available. So I would classify them uh, kind of broadly as chemical amendments, biological amendments and physical amendments. Okay, And chemical amendments are, are, are probably the most kind of tried and tested. So they predominantly reduce slurry pH and um, in that way kind of keeping ammonia in that ammonium form. Um, and in reducing to reduce the pH, really the chemicals that we need are acids. So that type of amendments, um, you know, that that's what's called acidification. Um, it's not really um, broadly available in Ireland. Um, it is already very uh, popular in Denmark, uh, both in store in storage of slurry, and um, there's more. Um, equipment now being available to acidify slurry um, in the tanker during spreading. Um, so the technology is, is much more mature in other countries than it is in Ireland. Um, and, you know, that particular technology um, has a really good efficacy in reducing ammonia. We're talking about you know, even over 90% reduction in ammonia emissions. So that's massive. And that can be done, you know, that's reductions in storage. And then also at land spreading, if that slurry still has a lower pH. Um, and I suppose maybe, you know, as a side comment, um, people would often worry about um, the impact of that lower pH slurry on the soil. We're not talking about anything very acidic. Um, in storage, slurry is usually acidified to a pH of 5.5. Um, and if it's at land spreading, it's at six or or even a little bit above the, 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 the six units. Um, meaning that, you know, with regards to how much slurry is being spread, um, it's not going to make a huge difference to the actual soil pH to affect the soil pH so much that um, you know that that the soil pH is being reduced. Um, but that's on the chemical amendment side. Um, so acids can be you know can can be inorganic strong acids such as sulfuric acid um, that is the probably the most commonly used in in other countries and in research. Um, then the second type of, or the second uh, kind of a pillar of amendments would be um, uh, biological amendments. And um, here there's also kind of a, you know, a wide range of products that is av already available on the market. Um, so they are predominantly um, based on bacteria or enzymes that are supposed to break down um, organic nitrogen in the slurry to bring it into mineral form. Um, 
to be honest, um, there may be, while they're available on the market, there's still quite a lot of research ongoing in that area. Um, and I would kind of advise caution here because from research of our group, we haven't necessarily seen um, any reductions in ammonia emissions. Um, so I think, you know, there, there needs to be more research in that area. Um, however, I know from uh, anecdotal evidence talking to farmers, um, you know, about um, benefits such as um, easier agitation or more nitrogen availability, and they might see better yields response. Um, I suppose from my perspective, um, I'm a gaseous emissions researcher. So, so my first port of call would be to check whether there is any um, reduction in ammonia emissions, or it might be in also greenhouse gas emissions associated with um, with with that slurry. Um, if there is, you know, then then we can take um, that formulation for further testing. But if there isn't, I suppose that's you know that's where my role ends. As much as it would be very interesting to to pursue other avenues and and, and look at um, other potential impacts those type of amendments have. I suppose, I suppose um, on that, uh, if if it's not, if you're not seeing, I suppose, ammonia being reduced with, with that type of amendment, it, it's a loss of nitrogen, no matter what way you look at it. Exactly, exactly. And that's why, um, you know, I, I, I remain a little bit sceptical of what exactly happens in slurry, um, that we don't see ammonia reduction and some farmers... Um, report improved yeah, improved yields. So my thinking on this is um, because you know some of those products claim to increase mineralization of organic nitrogen. It's probably that fraction of nitrogen that normally is available over you know a number of months or even a more than one season. If that becomes more available over a shorter time that might bring kind of that you know that 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 shorter term gain in terms of in terms of yield um but as you rightly say if ammonia is not reduced then you know we're we're still talking about that loss of nutrient and about the 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 air pollution still occurring one question that often comes up um you know the aeration, aeration systems that bubble slurry is that mm -hmm. a good thing or a bad thing Unfortunately, I have to say that so far, any research done internationally points to it being um, rather negative for ammonia and increasing emissions. And I know that's probably not what farmers want to hear because I completely take it on board that it's very useful in terms of having the slurry agitated and ready to be used. And, you know, it is obviously it's very good in terms of health and safety that there's no um, that there's no big gas plume um, as a result of a of a point agitation. Um, however, one of the main mitigate, mitigation options for ammonia and one of the easiest uh, from slurry storage is to create a crust. And slurry crust is a natural barrier um, for ammonia emissions. So, you know, a slurry with a slurry with crust um, will produce less ammonia emissions. So anything that breaks down that crust, um, that's a that's a bit of an issue in terms of ammonia emissions. Um, now 
there is talk about kind of low frequency or low kind of small bubbles aeration, um, I haven't seen those systems in action and I haven't been able to find any scientific evidence to say, you know, whether they actually reduce emissions. Um, but I suppose the potential is there if, you know, if the technology can be adjusted, that's that's great. But um, at the moment, they're, they're, they're kind of um, antagonistic. Yeah. And um, I interrupted you a little bit. I think you were going to talk about physical amendments as well. Yeah, so that was the that that was the last kind of third uh, type of amendments, and there um, that's that's basically uh, an amendment that might um, just absorb ammonia uh, or ammonium onto its surface. So things like biochar that has a large surface area, um, or other or other these types of materials, zeolite is another one. Um, so we've been looking at those as well, um, Cahill, and um, there's a huge variability there between the different amendments, like even just to look at biochar, for example, because, you know, there's there, there's huge, there's a lot of interest in that, um, in that area because biochar is also a source of carbon. So the question is, is it good for soil fertility, for carbon sequestration in the soil? And can, you know, how much can it do for the, for, um, for the soils and for, for farms? Um, so biochar can be produced in different uh, ways there's different methods different temperatures different feedstocks and depending on all that um there is a lot of variability in the re resulting biochar so um i've you know i've colleagues who worked with one type of biochar and i'm now working with another and we're getting quite a different results um so i think that's something to bear in mind that you know it, even if we're talking about one particular product or compound and um, it might not always be the same yeah that's always a problem i i, I suppose i can put you on the spot a little bit now well, well I'll, I'll leave you alone after this one but uh, slurry amendments i suppose they're on the way they're, they're here in the market already and from some of the discussions we've had they're not ticking all the boxes one available to farmer at the minute um, you mentioned, um, I suppose, the, the acid, acidification one. Is that, in your opinion, the one that's going to hit our market that will that will take that ammonia reduction box? box and do, do you see that being the one of the future? That's, I suppose, that's what happened in countries such as Denmark, um, where the system is very uh, popular, and um, you know, talking to colleagues in the UK. Um, there is more and more acidification systems coming on stream there as well. Um, so quite possibly that might be, you know, that might be something that um, that will become more available into the future. Um, however, there's, you know, there's obviously um, a kind of a few caveats associated with it, such as health and safety, because yeah. we're talking about handling, um, handling quite, quite corrosive uh, concentrated and, and large acid. amounts, I would say, as well, is it? It is. It is exactly. Yeah. So how it's uh, how it's handled in in um you know in kind of in commercial installations is that there's actually an external company coming in to bring in um the acid and kind of install the tank or replenish the acid in the tank so that the you know it's only the trained personnel and at the same time you need a dosing system 
um and potentially you know be it a mixing tank that's a that that's an outdoor tank so there's also health and safety of the animals that it's not just added directly under the slats and you know and might um and might affect animals above the, uh, above the slats so you know there's that's just considerations um it it doesn't mean that it can't be um, that it can't be implemented. It's, it is just kind of caveats associated with it. Um, and look, that would be that 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 would be a um, a really good option in terms of how much ammonia can be can be reduced from slurry storage. Um, I suppose most of our slurry storage is in underground uh, tanks in in slatted sheds so that kind of you know limits what um what type of mitigation we can we can do with with stored slurry um and look i think um, we should be looking towards amendments as uh, as one of the option um but we need to be careful that we're not thinking about it as the main or the only mitigation option as you've um mentioned before uh, protected urea, low emission slurry spreading, or covering, um, covering stores—they're all very good options. Um, and if we look at the ammonia MAC, um, in that analysis, eighty percent of potential mitigation for ammonia came from just low emission slurry spreading and protected urea alone. So those two are kind of are, are, are very good ways of of reducing ammonia. Yeah, proven technologies and there to be used today or tomorrow when it's there, they're there available to all farmers. Dominique, I suppose okay. that's all we have time for today, but thanks a million. I really enjoyed the chat and um, the, the information you're after giving us is really beneficial. I think and lots and lots of farmers will be interested. It's one of the main questions farmers always ask me about slurry and additives. So really appreciate your time today. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Cahill. That's it for this episode of the Chogs Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Dr. Dominique Kroll, Chagas Agricultural Gaseous Emissions Research Officer in Johnson Castle for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.